You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. For those that don't know me, I have I've, I have spoken here quite a number of times over about ten years. Uh, I travelled as an itinerant, I think, for nine years. Uh, five, I'm just getting a bit of fold back up here, guys. If if, if we could just change that a little bit. But uh, about five years I travelled as an itinerant uh, from the Sunshine Coast. That was between, I think, 2012 and 16. Uh, then we moved to America uh, and did four years travelling mainly in America but all over the world. And I did speak here, I think, a couple of times while I was living in America. Uh, and then uh, 2020 we came back from America uh, because of COVID, in a sense, and didn't know what we were going to do. And we got to the Gold Coast, which was actually the place where I got radically saved, my wife got saved, we got married, we were youth pastors, we had our two children. We went back to the place just to think, well, Gold Coast is a good place to just, you know, chill and hopefully we'll get another visa and go back to America. But while we were there, God spoke to us about uh, planting a church on the Gold Coast called Celebrate Church. And uh, we've been doing that for about a year. Uh, So pray for us. It's not for the faint-hearted, planting churches from nothing, from scratch. Uh, but God's been so good. But it's so good to be back here today. And, you know, Pastor Tim has asked me specifically to kind of speak into uh, legacy offering and just the, the series that you're in right now around breakthrough and legacy. And, and uh, you know, for those that haven't heard my story, and I won't go right into it, but grew up surrounded by addiction and did drugs from 13 to 23. I was injecting amphetamines. I was taking acid, ecstasy marijuana. Um, at 16, I ended up taking a bad acid trip that left me with drug-induced psychosis, where I was hearing voices, the television would speak to me, the radio would speak to me. Uh, I was suicidal. I almost took my life at uh, 19 years old. I'd actually planned a day to end my life because just the noise and the voices, it was too much. I was being tormented in my mind. I didn't know Christ at all. Uh, there was a lady, an auntie that prayed for me for 17 years. And I say this every time I preach, don't ever stop believing for the people that you're believing for. Because imagine she gave up after 15. Imagine she gave up after 16, but she just kept believing. And after 17 years, God did a miracle in my life. But the the place that I got born again in was um, a church. It was called Surf City Christian Church on the Gold Coast. It's now called Presence Church. Uh, They're now in a different building. But there was a building, if you know it, it's on the corner of Monaco Street and the Gold Coast Highway. And I remember being a stoner and I would be smoking marijuana at home and I lived across the road and I would walk, you know, smashed out of my brain and and I'd kind of walk over to the servo to get one of those real dodgy kind of chicken rolls, you know, that you put in the microwave and, and every time I go to this servo, I would see this building that had this sign of our message, Jesus. And if I be honest with you, I didn't know the difference between Anglicans, Catholics, AOG, ACC, Baptists. To me, I just thought the church is the church. And isn't it amazing that probably for, I think it was about two years, I would go across to that servo, not knowing Jesus, addicted to drugs, Every time I'd see the building, the church, and the big sign about Jesus, and the moment that I was ready to get saved, where God spoke, kind of did something in my heart, the first place I did was I walked into that building, and I heard the gospel of Jesus, and it was in that moment 
that I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And it was, it was in that building that I found a family that loved me and believed in me and gave me opportunity. It was in that building that I saw my beautiful wife and a year and a half later we got married. It was in that building that we had children. Well, not in the building, okay? Uh, and don't get worried, Josiah, it wasn't anything, okay? You definitely won't conceive there either, okay? But we were attending, okay? We were attending. But it was in that building that I preached my very first message as a six-month-old Christian in a Bible college setting. It was in that building that we became the youth pastor. We helped start a rehab. I, I really, I learned to preach in that building. I was discipled. I was corrected. I was loved. I, I, I made friends that are some of my best friends still today. You know, we're calling this offering Legacy Offering. Don't you think it's amazing that I walked into a building that people that didn't even know for me paid for the building to be there? Some people that never even met Lucas Connell that said, you know what, I'm going to take of what God has given me and I'm going to sacrifice not just for the now, but legacy for the future so that some young stoner could actually see a building that had our message, Jesus, that got to walk in, who found Jesus. And then if you think of the flow and effect from that moment, I've been all around the world preaching. I've seen thousands of people get free of anxiety and depression and and tens of thousands find Jesus. And now we're back starting a new church where we've had people get free of anxiety and depression. And all because there was a group of people that had never even met me while I was still in nightclubs that said, you know what, Jesus has impacted me so much. I'm going to sow for people that I don't even know yet. I'm going to leave a legacy so that buildings can look good and great and be attractive to the world and everything else that the money goes to, which really ultimately is to help people come to know Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, and, and so I'm so thankful for those people, many of them that I never met. And I just want to really share about, around a principle that... Um, uh, what, time does, what time do I need to get to? You say 10 past at the latest. Uh, I want to share about a principle, and I'd probably say there's probably two principles that would be my ultimate life messages. It's what I've lived. Uh, It's funny because today I'm going back to our service, which is four o'clock, and we're looking to move into a building so we can do morning services because we've done a year of 4 p.m. in someone else's church. And we're doing our first ever, we're calling it an advancement offering. And and so I'm not speaking to you to say this is a good idea for you. I'm speaking to you from revelation that I have lived uh, in a fairly significant way in proportion to what we've had uh, over a long period of time. And it's this revelation of sowing and reaping. And I remember when I first got saved... And I was probably only three weeks saved. And this guy that discipled me, he spoke to me about tithing. And, and he told me this principle of honouring God first with your first 10%. And, and, and I hope this doesn't upset you. But for me, tithing was super easy. I've got a math brain, okay? So I can't help but think numbers, right? And, and so two weeks before he tells me about tithing, God had just set me free from drugs and cigarettes, Right? I was only earning at that time 
you know, about $300 a week, so my tithe was 30 but before that, my cigarette bill was more than 30 So when he told me about tithing, I'm like, well, that's a pretty fair deal, do you know what I mean? I'm, a, I'm actually saving money by tithing, you know? Like, and so for me, tithing at that point was pretty easy, you know? Like, and then that's not even taking the account of the money that I spent on drugs. Like there was a time that I was earning, you know, $1,200 a week and I was spending the whole pay on drugs and cigarettes and partying. So tithing was a pretty easy thing for me to, to come to, right? I know that's not everyone's journey. And so for a couple years, I gave because it was the right thing to do. Because... I believe God had saved my life, he'd done this amazing thing, and why wouldn't I be generous? About two years in, I met this couple in the church that started talking to me about this principle of seed faith, of sowing and reaping, of the fact that God, the way that he operates, he puts seed in our hand to produce a harvest. And I read a book, and it was called Still Doing the Impossible, by a guy called Oral Roberts. I read this book at the time, Oral Roberts, if you don't know him, but he was probably one of the first healing evangelists. He, he built a whole university. Like he went to this block of land and, and it's just miraculous. The university is still there today in America and it's raising people up all over the world to be doctors, but ministers and, and all that kind of stuff. He's obviously since gone to be with the Lord. But he wrote this book when he was about 90 and it was called Still Doing the Impossible. And it was the first time that I'd ever heard this principle of kind of not just, you know, just giving because it's the right thing to do, but actually it was a principle of God that, that, that there was this thing that we could sow seed and actually believe to reap a harvest. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever had this, but it, the book rocked me so much that as soon as I opened the Bible, no matter where I looked in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, I started seeing this principle of sowing and reaping. And I started to notice this thing in the Bible that God pretty much never spoke about seed time without mentioning harvest. He never spoke about sowing without also mentioning reaping. He never spoke about giving without showing receiving. And I started to see it everywhere in Genesis. It, it, the whole thing started with seed-bearing plants that God said, now go and be fruitful and multiply. He didn't just give them everything. He gave them seed that could eventually bring everything that they needed. Right through Proverbs, it, it's the, the book of wisdom. It keeps talking about this principle that when you honor God with your first, he will cause your barns to overflow. The book of Malachi, it's the first time where God, he says, test me around this area of giving and test me into today's language means I double dog dare you. That's what God's saying. <laughs> I dare you to test me in this area. And Malachi says, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you'll not be able to contain it. And then again, right through uh, you know, the, the, the New Testament, this principle, you know, that, 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 that Paul said that, you know, that you reap what you sow. Luke says, give and it will be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. And I could give you a hundred more scriptures. 
And so I, it was many, many years ago, I can't remember how long ago, but quite a while ago, I was a youth pastor at the church at Surf City. I read this book, I start seeing this revelation, and I feel faith where God's almost like daring me. Do you know what I mean? Like, come on. I felt like a, a kid in a lolly, lolly shop, you know, like with this new revelation. I'm like, well, I want to see if this, I've never given in faith before. I've never taken a risk, but, but attached faith to see what God might do. And, and so I got so excited, but then I was depressed because we were youth pastors and we wouldn't have had $100 in the bank. And I'm like, well, how can I even sow anything? I've got no money. And then as I'm on this journey, I read this scripture in Corinthians that says God gives seed to the soul. And it goes on to say that when he sows, that in other words, you'll have enough for bread, which is your food, but then also a harvest of righteousness. And so I, I see this, and it's, it's important here because it doesn't say he gives seed to the person that's been a Christian for 25 years. It doesn't say he gives seed to the Bible college student. It doesn't say he gives seed to the person that, 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 that serves on the worship team. It says he gives seed to the soul. In other words, the person that will put their hand up and say, God, I'll be a channel of blessing. That you can let blessing flow through here and I will cause it to go. God gives seed to the sower. And so I read this and I'm like, all right, God, I want to be a sower. Your word says that you give seed to me. And then I prayed a prayer. I don't know if you've ever done this, but have you ever prayed like a stupid prayer? You know, like in the moment, it's holy and righteous and awesome and you feel great. But then God answers it and you're like, what in the world did I pray that prayer for? <laughs> I just got caught up in the moment. And I prayed this prayer and this is what I prayed. I said, after reading that scripture, I've got the whole revelation of sowing and reaping. Now he says he'll give me seed if I'll be a sower. I said, God, I pray that you would give me a ridiculous seed that I could sow in your kingdom. Amen. Two days later, my dad rings me who's not a Christian. He's never given me money his whole life. You know, he'd buy me food and do this, but actually probably never given me more than $100 my whole life in a sense of, here, have this. My dad rings me up. He's not a Christian. He's proud of me because I've changed my life and he was never opposed to me being a Christian. He rings me up and he says, Lucas, I've come into some money, which even that was a miracle for him. I've come into some money. And I'm so proud of what you've done with your life and how you've changed everything. And I want to give you $5,000. Wow. We were youth pastors earning like, well, we weren't even earning money for being youth pastors, okay? We're on 50 bucks a week. And, and so we, you know, we, we hardly had any money. And so he's telling me he's giving me five grand. My wife and I, we're dancing. We're, we're in the lounge room. We're like, where do you want to go? We could go to Hawaii. We start, we start like saying all the places we're going to visit, or, or this will shock some younger people, but, but even back then, that was enough for a deposit of a house, because that's how old I am, no, because there were things like homeowners grants, and you could buy a house for 300000 and that, that'd give you twenty, and if you had five, it was pretty much enough, and so my wife and I, we're like dancing, and then have you ever had that moment where God remind, reminds you of the words that you said? Yeah. Isn't it the worst when it's your own words? See, I hate being a preacher because sometimes your wife or kids will actually say back to you the thing that you said for your life. And it's like, well, how can I argue with that? And then as I'm dancing and planning holidays, it was like God pressed 
play on the recorded thing back in my mind that said, God, give me a ridiculous seed that I could sow into your kingdom. He gives seed to the sower. And as I swallowed hard and said, this is, this is God's done this. And this was the first time I ever tested in a sense. And, and, and what I mean by that is I attached faith to the seed I was about to sow. And my wife and I, and I remember this to this day, in that moment, and I want you to hear me on this, we, we didn't believe for houses and cars and wage, and there's nothing wrong with that because I'm sowing today in my offering, and I'm believing for greater levels of income, and so there's nothing wrong with that. But, but what in that moment, I just felt this thing is, God, we want to live a life that's so radical for you and I said, we want to do something that nobody else is doing. And that was our, our faith attached to that $5,000 seed. Our church didn't even have a legacy offering. We just went into the office on Monday and said, we want to sow this into the building. Yeah, and, and, but we attached. Fast forward three months after that, I'm at Planet Shakers. God speaks to me. He says, go home, quit your job, come and follow me. We live on $50 a week, and I won't go right into it, but on $50 a week, my wife doesn't have income, I don't have income, we don't go on Centrelink. We live for 12 months on $50 a week, saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Eventually, our youth ministry caught a hold of what we were doing a year in, took up an offering of $18,000. Fast forward four years, it was 50 grand every year from our teenagers, Eventually, our youth group was able to pay us to be the youth pastors, not the church. The youth group was able with what they gave. But here's the funny thing, right? Because we started doing that and living that life of faith, and our youth group started giving these stupid offerings, we were doing something that no one else was doing. And everyone started inviting me to their youth groups and their camps and their churches because we were doing something that no one else was doing. Fast forward, I don't know, five, six years, I'm traveling the world, preaching at some of the greatest churches, seeing people get free of anxiety, all this kind of stuff. Nine years, uh, uneducated, finished school in grade 10, right? Been all around the world, so many different countries, helped so many different people, but you can trace my whole life back to a seed that was sown in faith. That literally, I'm here today preaching to you right now because a young girl and a young guy at 25 years old with no kids said, God, we want to sow something radical, but we're attaching faith that we would do something that nobody else is doing. And I'm standing here today because of a seed that was sown probably 15 to 17 years ago. See, the big thing, and you've got to be careful of this, is whenever we talk about giving, there is always a religious spirit. And, and I, I, I loathe, I have a holy hatred toward a, a religious spirit. Yeah. Because, I don't want to offend you, but at least a spirit of lust doesn't pretend to be something that it's not. When someone gives in to a spirit of lust, they know that there's something pleasing to the flesh they know what they're signing up to, and in a moment of weakness, they give in to that spirit. But a religious spirit, what it does is it kind of comes dressed up in the name of God, in the name of church, 
But, but, but it's, it, it's demonic and it's evil because rather than being like the gospel and lifting up and speaking life, a religious spirit wants to suffocate and push down. And a religious spirit and a spirit of poverty are always tied together. Because the devil wants the church to be poor. And by that I mean the church, the organization, but the church, you are the church. See, think about this. This is why there's such an issue with talking about money in church. Because in war, there is a strategy that, that if you are fighting one country against another... If you can cut off that country's supply, so what they'll do is there's, a, there's ships or whatever, and if they can put their ships somewhere where that other uh, enemy can no longer now get weapons and food, and all, they actually don't even have to fight them. They know that eventually they will either starve or retreat because they've simply cut off supply. See, the devil's plan for the church is don't ever talk about money. People will leave. They'll get offended so that supply is cut off and the enemy doesn't even have to fight us. And see, if you get upset around, you know, sometimes we go, oh, well, you know, we don't want to talk about it because people get upset. Well, listen, people have been getting upset about money since the very first family that was on the planet. (laughs) Cain killed Abel over an offering. It's not new. There wasn't even church started yet. It was the first family and one brother killed his other brother and it was to do with an offering. It's been happening for a long time. We saw it with Judas, with Ananias, with Sapphira. And so what I want, I want you to catch this. See, the devil's okay with you giving and sowing. But what he's not okay with is you tapping into sowing and reaping. Think about this. Every relationship that breaks down, breaks down ultimately because eventually for too long, one person is doing all the sowing and one person is doing all the reaping. And it doesn't matter how righteous you are, if you're the one that is only giving, 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 and never receiving, eventually you will grow disgruntled in your heart and bitter. That's why the devil's okay with, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm okay with you giving, but don't attach any faith to receiving because he understands if the person that keeps giving, 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 but never receives, eventually they'll, they'll grow tired and they'll give up. But if the person, like for me, happened 17 years ago, I've been living this every year for 17 years, growing and growing in every area of this, Because I'm addicted to it because I'm not just sowing. I'm sowing and then I'm believing to reap. I'm sowing seed in the kingdom of God and then I'm seeing God open up his doors in a powerful way. See, see, I don't like this. And and please, if someone has said this here, like I understand why and I understand there's truth in this statement I'm about to say. I personally don't like it, but I do know that there's truth in why people would say it. I don't like when pastors say, don't give to get. Now, now, now hear me, because I'm saying, I understand there's truth in it, okay? And if someone said it, I get why we say it, right? Because there's truth. Because you shouldn't 100% give to get, okay? That's 100%. Because you should have the right motive. The reason I don't like it is because God, the Father, gave 
to get. John 3.16. God so loved the world that he what? He gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. God gave to get. He didn't give and say, hey, I'm going to sow the greatest seed that I've got. I'm going to bankrupt heaven. And you know what? I don't really care whether anything comes of it. No, no, he sowed his greatest seed that he had. He bankrupt heaven because he was believing that every single time a human being hears the gospel and someone else gets saved, he says, I sowed and now I'm going to reap and reap and reap and reap. Now again, why I'm saying it's it's not wrong to say that, that statement because God so loved the world, so he loved the world. So you should be motivated by love. You shouldn't purely give to get because that's selfishness. Do you know what I mean? Like there should be a love first that I'm giving toward legacy. I'm giving so that people can receive Christ. I'm giving so the kingdom can move forward. I'm giving so that people can receive what I received. But the only reason I don't personally like the statement is because sometimes it makes people feel guilty about attaching faith to the seed that they're sowing. That they feel it would be wrong to attach faith, but actually it's sowing and reaping. It's the one area that God says, test me. It's like this. When you understand this principle, if if I was to take a tennis ball right now and throw it up in the air, what would I do? I would now stand positioned to catch the ball because I understand the law of gravity. And the law of gravity says if the tennis ball goes up, it's going to come down. So I should therefore get ready to catch the ball because of the law of gravity. When you understand the law of sowing and reaping, that when I sow, motivated by love, motivated by who God is, but you know what? I'm going to stand position. I'm going to be ready for a pay rise. I'm going to be ready for a creative idea for my business. I'm going to be ready for something to come for our family to move forward. God wants to bless this way because when he keeps blessing people that are sowers it means that sowers can continue to keep blessing I'm believing that every year what I sow continues to go up for the rest of my life because I'm believing that as I sow I end up in a position where I end up with a bit more so that I can continue to sow more I haven't really read my scriptures just for time's sake But Matthew 6, verses 1 to 6, and then it's verse uh, 16 to 18. It is, this is the scripture, and if you don't mind, I'm just going to say it in my own words. You can read the text. This is true to the text. But it's basically where Jesus speaks. I want you to catch this. He says, basically he says, when you give, you know, don't stand up and say to everyone, look how awesome I am. Do it between you and God. And it says God will reward what he sees done in secret. Yeah? Everyone knows that when you give. Then it goes on to say, well, when you pray, do it the same way. Don't stand up like the Pharisees and, you know, oh, look how great I am with my my awesome prayers. No, no, no. Do it in secret. Go and pray. And God will reward what he sees that's done in secret. And then lastly, and these are all together, so that's important. Jesus hits these three things. Then he says the same thing, when you fast. Don't go around saying to everyone, oh my God, I haven't eaten for 20 days. I'm like, you know, he says, put oil on your face. Don't even let anyone know. Do it unto God. 
And God that sees what's done in secret will reward. Got it? Giving, praying, fasting. Do it in the right manner under God. And God who sees it will do what? He'll bring reward into your life. Yes? I want you to catch this. This is going to help some people. We don't have a problem with praying and believing for stuff to shift. Isn't that the point of prayer? We don't have a problem with fasting, right, and believing for the reward of heaven, in other words, stuff to shift, do we? Isn't that the point of fasting? Like, imagine me saying, I'm going to do a seven-day fast, I'm going to eat zero food, but you know what? It'd be wrong to believe for stuff to change. I'd say you're an idiot, go and eat a burger. The whole point of fasting is you're believing for heaven to shift some stuff in your life. So why do we have this thing except the devil has brought stupid teaching to us that we're okay with praying and believing for shift. We're okay with fasting and believing for shift. And I am saying shift. But somehow we're not okay with giving and believing for shift. He uses the three together. That praying is a weapon to move heaven in your life. Fasting is a weapon to move heaven in your life. And giving is a weapon also to see stuff shift in your life. Think about this. Every miracle in the Bible comes out of an act of obedience. God's the one that does the miracle. But he says to the blind man, go and wash the mud in the pool of Siloam. So there is a response and an act of faith and obedience that partners with what God said. The man with the shriveled up hand, Jesus said, stretch out your hand. He had to act in faith and take his weakness that he normally hid and bring it out so that it could get healed. The the, the Israelites had to march seven times around the city before the miracle happened. The, 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 The man had to dip in the pool seven times before the miracle happened. See, it's a, so then you might, if you get that religious spirit on you, then you say, so what are you saying, Lucas? We buy miracles? No. Money can't buy a miracle. But faith is the key that unlocks miracles. And sometimes the greatest act of faith you can ever take is to hear God say, take a risk with your finance. It's not the money. It's the, the, the faith is the key that I'm taking the money and I'm saying, God, I believe you are who you say you are. And that's easy to say. But God, let me sow this that actually says, I believe you are who you said you are. Last story, just if, you, you know, the, the, if, the, if the, the team could come, I'll, I'll share one story and then we're, well, I'm going to pray. But you know, the, the, the other thing that I love is that there's also another miracle that happens. But remember the four men that carried their friend and they broke open the roof because you can have faith for yourself, but you can also be the one that has faith for others. Yeah, good. <laughs> I'm so thankful that there was an auntie that sewed for 17 years. What was she doing? She was carrying this crippled boy. She was busting open a roof so that I could be, I, I, was, I didn't have faith for that 17 years. But you can sew not just for breakthrough in your own life, but you can sew for breakthrough in other people's lives. Because it's just the reward of heaven, which really means, God, would you do the stuff that we've been unable to do? God, this business, it's been stuck on this amount for 
for, for a fair bit and, and I've come to the end of myself and I can't really work out how to get it to the next level. So God, I'm simply gonna sow for creativity to come and wisdom how I could unlock this thing that it could go to a whole nother level. I, I remember, last story. I've shared this probably some time ago. But I remember I was in America and I was now in a church because remember, I've already got this kind of revelation of something reaping. And then I go to a church called Awaken, Pastor Jurgen and Leanne, and they live this stuff but on steroids. And, and, and their church, they started it 15 years ago in a lounge room. They now own about $80 million worth of buildings. They have five campuses. The church is 10,000 people. They're seeing hundreds of people get saved every single week. People are sowing, people are becoming prosperous like I'd never seen. So I'm in this faith environment and I'm traveling as a preacher and I, I pray this, and again, one of those stupid prayers. I thought I was safe on this one, but I simply said to God, God, I pray that someone and we were living by faith. We moved to America to be itinerants. We hardly had any bookings. So i am got no job except for to preach and to believe God. And I said, I pray God someone would give us $10,000 US. And as soon as I prayed it, don't, this is the part that I hate when God flips it around on you. And he, and he, and he simply says to me, he goes, but you've never sown in tens. He said, you, you've sown lots in thousands and you've reaped lots in thousands but you've never sown in tents. He said, when you, reap, when you sow in tents, you'll reap in tents. I, I was like, get behind me, Satan. That, that's just, that's not from God. <laughs> so much so, I didn't even tell my wife for three months. And I'm a man, so I'm a little stubborn. And, and so, so I, I kept praying the prayer. And every time I'd pray it, it was like this little voice said, but you haven't sown in tents. If you sow in tents, you'll reap in tents. Eventually it gets to our like legacy offering at the church that we're a part of. That's what I love as well. I didn't start this when I started running a church. I've been doing this for 15 years when it wasn't my church. But, but it was our legacy offering. And finally I said to Jackie, I go for three months because we were praying about what we'd do, like what you've got to do for next week. And I finally said, listen, honey, for, for three months I've been praying this prayer and God keeps saying this thing to me. And then straight away, so we, we raised a bit of money and had a bit in the bank to be able to go to America. That had now dwindled down and I was just starting to get some bookings, but really not a lot. It had dwindled down and we had 10 grand left in the bank account. That was it. That was the safety net. And I tell her this thing and secretly I was hoping she'd say no. Because then I could just blame her. <laughs> and say, God... I was the man of faith, but it was that woman that you gave me. <laughs> and, I, and I tell her, and straight away she's like, yeah, I feel it's God. I was like, oh! <laughs> I've told this story before, but we literally went back to America because we were on a holiday in Melbourne while, while this was going on. We're going back to give that offering our last 10K. Soon as we get back, to America, a friends of ours picked us up from the airport. They said, we've got to go to our house first. And we're like, uh, we felt that was a bit weird, but we get to their house, they bought us a car. The car was 32,000 US dollars. We got home that day jet lagged and I looked on my wife's prayer board 
and the exact car that was now in our driveway, colour, model and make was now sitting in my driveway and nobody knew. Fast forward three months after that, God gives me an idea of something called a freedom experience that helps people get free of uh, mental illness and addictions. You can check that out at a freedom experience. If you use a code blessed, you'll get it for free. I'm not going to go right into that, but if you remember that, you can do that. He gives me this idea that potentially has actually brought us some extra income. But I needed money to make the whole thing happen. Branding, websites, filming, videos. I got a guy in America, in New York, rings me up and says, Lucas, I heard about your thing of freedom experience helping people with mental health. He says, I want to give you 30,000 US dollars. But then he says, no word of exaggeration, he says to me, he goes, but is it okay if I give you 10,000 now, 10,000 next month, and 10,000 the month after? I said, I can work with that. <laughs> Remember, God said, if I sow in tens, we'll reap in tens. Fast forward almost a year to the day that when I first prayed the, the prayer, I was actually in a little tiny church when I first prayed the prayer, and what I was hoping is someone would just walk up and give me 10K. But who knows, God's more interested in what He could actually get from us so that then He can get back to us. So then we sow the 10, we get the car, we get the 10, 10 and 10. A year from the day that I prayed the prayer, I'm in another little church and the pastor comes up to me and he says, hey, we were already going to give you X amount for, for coming to speak this weekend. It was just a small church. He says, but one of my business guys just came up and he says he wants me to add $10,000 to what we were going to give you. If you sow in 10, it's not about money. It's about faith. Because what, and again, for you, you might be sitting here and your equivalent of 10,000, it might be 100. So, so it's not about a monetary amount. For some of you, you might be sitting here, your equivalent of 10 is actually 50K. So, so, so it's not about a number. It's about a step of faith. It's about not just giving. Yes, give with the right heart. It is. It's about legacy. It's about changing lives. It's about making buildings look better so they become more attractive to the world. Like, 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 like the Queen of Sheba. It, it's like, it's all of that right motive, but attach faith to what you're going to do. And simply ask God, God, what would you have me do? I say to my people in my church, I don't want you to bring one dollar less or one dollar more of what God's asking you to do. Yeah. That's it. If you fall into comparison, go, well, they're giving, uh, doing that, well, no, you've missed it. Yeah. It's not about that. It's about you as a child of God saying, God, I want to grow in faith. What would you have me to believe for? What, what would you have us do as a family? And you'll normally know if it's God if you need to swallow hard after he tells you. Because I've person, but again, for some, like 300 bucks, that might be, man, I, I don't know how I'm going to do that. Because we're like week to week. But if God asks you to do it, he'll make a way for you to be able to get it. And so I want to pray. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're just about done. I'm just going to pray. I, I, I really hope 
And I pray that you've caught the spirit at heart. That this is, it's not about money. It's about faith. Yeah. It, it's not about just what God wants to get from you. It's actually more about what he wants to get to you. Yeah. Faith as Christians is the key that unlocks stuff. That's just, that's the reality of the Bible and of Christianity. Faith is the key. The more that I operate in faith, what's the opposite of faith is fear. Fear comes to nothing. Fear says, hold your hand tight. Fear says, I'm not letting go because there might not be more that comes. Faith says, God's big. He can do anything. He could give me an idea, a raise, a job, an inheritance, a something that changes the game. Thank you for listening to this podcast.